that's been dedicated to bringing you the highs and lows of crushes, but we're shaking things up for the next couple of months to crush on a whole decade. Yep, we're talking all things 90s by breaking it down year by year with some familiar faces, well, voices, like today's guests, Chris and Leah, the powerhouse couple of the podcast world who are here to talk about the year that we showed the world, this is how we do it, 1995. How are you guys doing? I got Montel Jordan stuck in my head now, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, one of the best songs of the 90s. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of these 90s songs get stuck in your head forever and ever and ever. So I think that that's, that's a good thing. Very yeah. much so. <laughs> so before we start, where can we find you and your shows, Boozy Bracketology and Pub Trivia Experience Online? Uh, so you can find us really at any major, the podcast, any major podcast app that's out there. Um, Pub Trivia Experience is exactly what it says. It's pretty much uh, <laughs> truth in advertising. Uh, it's a show where we literally, it, it's a show about, honestly, it's about emulating what you get when you go to a bar so some fun trivia uh some really good drinks and on just hanging out with friends and having a good time and then boozy bracketology is an offshoot of that where the same host the same panelist but it's all pop culture we get together every month we come up with a bracket for the month uh and it's pop culture centric things like a uh, best alt rock song best sports movie best comic book movie uh, hell we did best breakfast cereal <laughs> and we put them in a bracket and we argue it out until we have a winner and it's it's organized chaos but it's a lot of fun uh, anywhere you get podcasts or you can find this on uh if you want to interact with us find us on facebook it's probably the best spot all right well we're gonna kick this off with what you two were doing in 1995 had you two crossed paths yet no definitely not um, <laughs> 1995 so 1995 was the end the beginning of it was the end of my fifth grade year beginning of my sixth grade year so I was uh 11 10 10 11 years old around that time so I would say that my pop culture knowledge really started in 1995 um you know early 90s I'm a little familiar with but that 95 to 99 range that was like my peak pop culture obsession that's kind of the age you start to like like things for yourself not just something an older sibling or cousin liked or your parents it's like you start to form your own opinions i feel around that fifth grade age fourth fifth grade yeah and my parents weren't monitoring what i was watching so like we're listening to (laughs) it it yeah i was old enough that i could just kind of do my own thing it was the 90s we talk about that a lot on this uh question on the 90s our parents just were not paying attention (laughs) i feel like my mom knows that I like the Backstreet Boys and ha- apparently Hey Arnold, and that's all she remembers of my childhood. <laughs> but, and Chris, what were you doing? Uh, so the 90s, I, I grew up loving sports. The 90s, 95 especially, was a, was a tough year for me because that was the year uh, I'm a Cubs fan and my favorite ball player, Rhino, Ryan Sandberg, had abruptly retired. That was the one year he didn't play at all with the Cubs. He came back the next year. So that was a, a little bit of a sad time for me. But no, I, honestly, I was, what, 11, 12 years old at that point in time, so I was playing baseball on a regular basis. I wasn't really involved in pop culture. I went and saw movies, but it wasn't anything I was, like, 
deeply obsessed with. I was still playing baseball on a regular basis. Well, my late grandma would be a very big fan of yours because she was also a diehard Cubs fan. She actually said, I don't want to die until they win. So when they did win a couple years ago, everyone called and was like, is she still alive? And she did make it a couple more years. She didn't just drop it. (laughs) Oh, thank God. That makes my heart so happy. she, She was really excited to have lived to see it. That was cool. I actually want to take some of her ashes to Wrigley Field when I go to Chicago, um, hopefully in the spring. Fingers crossed. Don't tell them you're doing it. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I'm just going to be outside the gate. I mean, Grandma, I'm not going to buy a ticket or anything. I love you, but <laughs> just going to just like, what am I? She left me two cat figurines. I don't, she didn't leave me a big inheritance. <laughs> cat within, so. That's funny. She yeah, she just had a bunch of cat figurines and we always joked, which one are we gonna get when she goes? I got the bookends, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into the movies and TV and music of it all, I'd love to dive into two of kind of your favorite things of that year. We'll start with Leah, Hootie and the Blowfish. Interesting. Yes. Nineteen ninety five was a great year for Hootie. Um and I would say that Hootie probably only has five songs that people know or or that they've heard of um and then there's like maybe three of them that are are heard on a fairly regular basis and most of those came out in well they might have come out in 94 but they were really released as singles in like 1995 so it's a big year for Hootie and the Blowfish but like every single song that's a single of theirs it totally hits it slaps it just puts me in a great mood it just like makes me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. So Hootie is a big deal for me. I found that in a 10, 11 years old loving Hootie. That's a pretty like, I guess, adult contemporary band. Yeah. And I'll tell you that like my entry into Hootie came from an episode of Friends. So (laughs) it's, um, it's, it's a whole episode where they actually go to Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Um, And while they're there, you don't ever see the band, but they're playing um, every time I look at you, I go blind. Um, so you hear them playing it in the background while they're at the concert, but you don't actually see the concert um, at all. And I didn't know that that was like a cover song, apparently, that like they redid just for the Friends soundtrack, um, which was like a really funny um, fact that I found out. But yeah, so that episode aired in 1995. So it was like peak Hootie and the Blowfish time. Um, but I also like at that time I was, you know, I was still being carted around by my mom and stuff like that. So I was listening to the adult contemporary stations in the car. So that was probably how I, I how I uh, really got into that genre of music, I guess. Rocking around to hoot, like you're rocking out to Hootie, and then you over there, Chris, watching Mallrats again. Our parents not paying attention to what we were digesting and taking in because I recently just watched that for the first time, and it is pretty oh. wild. <laughs> It is a wild film, but like, Kendra, if you're talking about like something that encapsulates the 90s, this is an entire movie about being in a shopping mall. Yeah. I and mean, got, I really, it made oh. me nostalgic. It, like, right? Like, the mall here, I don't know about where you are, but the mall here is dead. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> half the stores are gone. Macy's and, uh, what's it, and Dillard's are still there. JCPenney's somehow still hanging on that. But that movie just it it does feel like a quintessential '90s film because it's two guys talking about pop culture references and walking around a shopping mall. And you know what? I, I kind of want some chocolate covered pretzels right now. <laughs> well, not if you like 
licks and touches his butt or wasn't that not a like thing? those <laughs> so uh yeah that movie the ben affleck part actually had someone come on and talk about their uh, lifelong crush was ben affleck and she first saw him in mall rats and i was like but she's like don't Whoa. worry it's not where the crush developed yeah. it was until armageddon <laughs> Oh, Ben Affleck and Trish the Dish. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that, I was like, tell it, my husband loves Kevin Smith. So I was like, and nobody saw this was an issue, this part of the movie, that she's doing a research paper and she's <laughs> underage. Okay. <laughs> Is she 14 years old, 15 years old, she says in that? It's oh. not even a driver's license yet, but... <laughs> You know, so with this show being about crushes, I can't ignore people's sexiest man and the most beautiful person issue. And, you know, in the 90s, there were some questionable ones like Nick Nolte in 1992. But this year we had Brad Pitt and Courtney Cox, which I think for the 90s, for mid 90s, makes all the sense in the world. And I mean, you were mentioning we already mentioned Friends. So and that came out the year before. So it was hot, hot, hot. But do you think Jennifer Aniston should have been the rep? Oh, that would have been really funny if it was Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston <laughs> before they actually got together. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually shocked by that because I don't feel like, I feel like it's when they're talking about the girls from the show, it's always Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Unless people are talking about like, oh, like the funny one or whatever, but the star of that is Jennifer Aniston. So I don't know if maybe, maybe at the time people were still developing but I think that like season two-ish of Friends which is when 95 would have been season two season three that's when people were copying her haircut and stuff so yeah I'm kind of shocked by that and when you think of Brad Pitt's biggest roles does like his movie seven top your list because I think that's why he was on the sexiest man issue that year it, it has to it has to be towards the top of his list right uh, I guess but girls were not gonna go see seven for the no. heartthrob you didn't see seven for Brad Pitt, but even today, there's four words I could say, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. What's in the box? I would think dick in a box. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> I've actually never seen seven. My husband's never really seen upset. Seven? No, I, there's so many movies I've never seen. So, do you know what's in the box? No. Oh, oh it's <laughs> then not you don't a dick. need to know. No, I don't. I don't know. I, it's no. a mystery to me. I'll die seven. not knowing what's in the box. Yeah, you don't need to know. So seven, seven's David Fincher at like peak David Fincher. He's a he's a really weird director, but that's like peak David Fincher. But it's amazing. It's amazing because you don't see it coming. You should see all of it coming, but you don't. And it's a gut punch at the end. But it could have been too. Like maybe who was he dating at the time? Like he could have been like because I think he did do some like other movies in like ninety three, ninety four, leading up to ninety five, and maybe he was like dating someone famous and so he was just in the media a lot too could have been that but i also feel like that's around the time brad pitt was kind of trying to get away from the sex symbol life like he did seven he did uh 12 monkeys was that it was 12 monkeys the same year yeah, but then later he goes to like, like meet joe black in oceans 11 <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that so well, yeah but he also did like seven years in tibet like he, he's done he, he loves dramatic work yeah. was 12 monkeys the same year kendra check on that i believe so i'm looking it up right now 90 oh my gosh it was year before oh no yeah you know it's the same year oh my 12 monkeys that movie is amazing as well that's a hell of a year for brad pitt i'd take my pants off for him that's awesome <laughs> hmm? that's okay. why he was people's sexiest man 
<laughs> so we often hear that the only movies that make big money that nowadays are like part of these big franchises but I think we were falling prey to that back in the 90s because in 95 the number one movie was Die Hard with a Vengeance do you think we're like ultimately just creatures of habit and just like to watch things that belong to franchises and bigger things I don't necessarily think it's that I think there's comp- I think there's you're, you're invested already in the characters so um like specifically with the Die Hard franchise. Which once, one was that? Was that the third one? Yeah, it's the one with Sam. Okay. But like, talk about the MCU. It's it's another chapter in a story. And so you know, if you if you read a book and you read chapter one and two, you want to read chapter three if you're that invested. I think that's natural. I think we got away from it. I'm a, I'm a movie snob, so I'm going to be snobby for a second. I apologize, but like it, it used to be in like the the 60s, 70s, and even the 80s to an extent, like. You have a hit movie and then you make a sequel and you you make it for less money because it's not going to pull in as much. That that changed. People started realizing that as you build out franchises, you have a built-in audience. And if you make good stories, they'll come back. Die Hard with a Vengeance, far superior film to Die Hard 2. Like, it's up there, almost up there with Die Hard 1. It's just, it's a unique story, but it takes the the John McClane character and Zeus, not Jesus, but Zeus, and kind of turns John McClane into this other type of other type of hero it's a wonderful film that has a very actually a very nice ending i I really do like that movie that makes sense because the movie that came in second wasn't too far behind it was toy story which eventually did go on to become a franchise do you remember thinking back in 95 that toy story's graphics could not be topped yes yeah i think that that was the buzz around it was like wow this is something that has never been done before and it looks amazing and it was just i think the critics really like got on board with it instead of the fans for the nostalgic purposes of you know all the toys and stuff but um it still looks great today though i would say it doesn't look as good as like three or four but i don't think it looks as bad as like some tv shows from like 2005 look like i tried to watch house and it looks like it's from 1972 and i'm like what happened what happened to the color there But speaking of amazing graphics, Hollywood decided to bank on the popularity of one of the best fighting games known to man, and that is Mortal Kombat. Were you an avid player who rushed out to see this movie on the big screen? So you all have talked about how your parents weren't really paying attention to what you did. I wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat. (gasps) No, no, no. Uh, We barely got my mom to let us play Street Fighter. Uh, Not a bad thing or anything. Like I I love my childhood. My parents were very involved. Um, but like, we weren't Mortal Kombat with the blood and all that. We weren't allowed to play it. It just was not going to happen. Um, the movie itself, like I was familiar with like who Raiden is and stuff like that. And I've seen the movie a couple times. It wasn't anything I was jumping over, <laughs> jumping over monkeys to see or anything. No, but I remember like the arcade game. I just remember mm-hmm. being very big around that time. Because I remember my dentist, I think it was my dentist office. One of my, one of my doctor's offices had it in the waiting room for kids to play. What kind of bougie wow. doctor did you go to? You had a video <laughs> game in the waiting room. It was like one of the stand-up um, arcade games. And I think they had like two different units. And I know at least one point Mortal Kombat was on there. So that's my only knowledge of Mortal Kombat is seeing other people playing it while in the waiting room at, you know, the dentist or orthodontist or whoever it was. Did you um, go to well, the Beverly Hills 90210 high school with your crush? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, you know, we were super bougie with our arcade games, but, um, but yeah. And so, but I do, and I remember like kids, like at pickup after school, like where we were waiting for our parents to pick up. I just remember that being a conversation as, as, oh, who would want to fight this or this? Oh, oh, like what special features does each 
fight or have or whatever. But it was never something I was into. It was just, I, I definitely remember it being the talk of my peers, though. I mean, it doesn't hold up, you know, graphic-wise, but I think it's still a fun movie to watch if you have had a drink or herbal refreshment. <laughs> And, you know, you don't have anything to do the next day. I've done that. <laughs> but I do think it's kind of interesting. Um, every former guest that I've had come back kind of gravitated towards the year that ties in with your original appearance. But for, that's you, Chris, because 95, yes. biggest year for Christina Ricci, Casper, now and then. And she's kind of had this resurgence with not only Yellow Jackets, but since we talked Wednesday. Yes. Um, why or rather how? Do you both think she's managed to make it through the perils of childhood stardom? I think it had to do with her taking a break, too, because I do feel like she did take a break for a while. And there were some lost years, but... Well, you say that. So she did... I think she did the right... I don't say the right thing, because everyone's trying to make the best decisions in their own time. But she stepped away from making these bigger... The bigger budget Hollywood films, right? She stepped away from making... Casper, which you know, despite being a huge Christina Reach fan, I have never actually seen. <gasps> it has one of my crushes in it too. I know Devin oh. Sawa. No, the dad. Bill Pullman. <laughs> yes. Well, hold Who on. Who also had a big 1995. That was on my list. Bill Pullman, right? Yeah. yeah Bill Pullman. Oh my god. So, uh, 1996 guest. His wife, one of her top three, is Bill Pullman as well. That's great. <laughs> and he's not one of my current ones, but I definitely was crushing on him when I was in the 90s. As, a, as an older man crush. He was my older man crush. Well, it's like my dad Bill, crush. I have to wonder, what was Bill Pullman doing for young girls in the 90s that I just didn't catch on to? Now for I'm me, sure. it was While You Were Sleeping. That's the one that got me. Ah, uh, there it is. Him, but, which also came out in 95. But, <laughs> but yes, Christina Ricci, go ahead. Talk about your girl. Oh yes. Um, no, so she she kind of stepped away. Where other people would have done these big Hollywood movies, she was doing doing movies like Buffalo '66, um, a movie called she's movies like The Gathering, just just independent film that's interesting. Um, she did step a little bit into the the genre every once in a while with horror, but she's really kind of stayed in the independent scene. Uh, there's a movie called The Laramie Project, which to this day I will never forget. But it, it's a lot of independent work, which I thought was very interesting. That was my gateway into indie film, actually, as bad as that sounds. Like, I followed a girl into indie film and kind of stuck there for a while. But I think I think that's what it was. Like, she went out and she earned, she had brought some acting chops to roles that were interesting. And she wasn't picking the movie based on how much the box office was going to make. Hell, she made a movie called Pumpkin. Go look oh, up the plot to so Pumpkin. Good. Oh, I've it, seen that one. It's a great movie. That movie Hollywood would never make. So... I, I actually applaud that, and now she's having a lot of success. Although apparently, I need to watch Wednesday. Oh, yeah, she so was good. only just okay. I I love the show, but I thought she was just okay. Bite your that. tongue. She's we'll see like, how you feel. It was good. It made me want to keep watching, but the because I did grow up a, an emo kid, the dialogue was a little too hot topic, and I was like, mm, this is a little. But I did. I did. Like it the seemed show, very. Bro. It did seem like just watching the previews. It seems very hot topic. The, some of the dialogue was a little much, you know, Invader Zim shirts and some good Charlotte tees. But overall, I would say it's good. I am looking forward to season two. Yes, me too. 
I'll add but, it to the list. <laughs> so she repped back in the day when she was doing all these big movies. What I liked about her is she repped for the Tomboys. We did talk about that, but another facet of representation that we got that year were the like big guys. We had Tommy Boy and Heavyweights. And as a fat kid myself back in the 90s, I was enamored, but I was also sort of butthurt because there were no like big girls going on in these movies. Do you think it's because back in the 90s, it was all about like these real thin models? Yeah, like, I feel like it, it was just a different time. Like, I think now women are being recognized a lot more for their talent and their brains and their wit and their creativity and their just, like, other aspects about them. And I think the 90s, a lot of it was just, like, you're either the pretty girl or you're the best friend. And even a lot of times then, if you were the best friend, you, you know, were still beautiful um and stunning to look at and they just you know kind of made you a little more frumpy but um yeah I just I I like the direction that Hollywood is going in regards to representation for sure well I mean you talk about it and you had uh like the movie Clueless which wasn't 95 but like Clueless like the frumpy best friend oh was it hey I'm on brand (laughs) but you have Clueless and like okay the frumpy best friend oh that's Brittany Murphy yeah, and she like probably what? <laughs> was only five pounds heavier than the other girls. Yeah, right exactly. She was just shorter. I think that's why she was frumpy, you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it took... Go ahead. Speaking of frumpy, let's talk about Adam Sandler and those basketball shorts he always wears because he is someone to me whose comedy feels very 90s. Like, we don't get movies like Waterboy or, in this case, 1995's Billy Madison. And I always wonder, why do you think these types of movies are no longer, like, box office hits? Instead, they're just, like, doing really well on streaming. Uh, The box office right now is just crazy. I think they Hollywood went to the tentpole franchises and never kind of went back. Um, like hell, the the best picture winner from last year, Coda, wasn't it? Was Amazon? I think had that. I feel like the box office is just moving towards that, which is freaking sad because the best place to watch a funny comedy is with you know 150 other people in a movie theater. Yeah, that and horror, but horrors kind of stayed in theaters because you need that like spookiness and the like. If we didn't see Get Out in theaters, I don't know if it would have been as fun. That's true. Like, I do wish I had seen uh, what was it? Jordan Peele's most, most recent one. I wish I had seen that in theaters. Nope. Nope. I wish I would have seen that in theaters. Um, I don't was, know, like, because people play on their phones too, so people are only half paying attention now if you're watching it from home. I know. Mm-hmm. You, they either play on their phones or they fall asleep in the middle of a movie. Yep. Or in the first five minutes. <laughs> I will do both of those. Yes, you do. <laughs> Say it sounds like you're uh, accusing someone. Yep. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'll like you know hide my face so like my husband can't see that I have fallen asleep to his pick for the night. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but so another movie aspect we can't move forward without talking about is Batman Forever. And in many ways, I wish that comic book movies still played up to this cheesy over the camp style. What say you? Uh, There's a time and place for it. It, uh, (laughs) Batman Forever, like uh, it's um, the precursor to Batman and Robin, which the camp really wore off because it was all (laughs) camp. Batman Forever is not a bad movie. And I'll, I'll die on this hill. I'm fine with it. It's not a bad movie. Val Kilmer's not a bad Batman. Uh, He's not the worst Batman, no. <laughs> we're not having that conversation. That'll be a two-hour-long podcast. I I am a bat nerd. Like, I'm a giant Batman fan. You can't see it from here. But, like, yeah, I got Batman stuff everywhere. Um, 
he wasn't the worst Batman. The the thing that for that movie I didn't like actually was Tommy Lee Jones' Two Face. I, I didn't like that portrayal of the character. But no, the, the camp was great. Jim Carrey did nothing but chew scenery for an hour and a half. And the Riddler is hilarious. It is so campy, but it's so much fun. Like it it reminded me for a little while of the fun of like the Adam West Batman, the 66 Batman. You can have fun with these characters, and that's okay. But you kind of have that with the Lego Batman movie. Like the Lego Batman movie embraced the camp. It was all camp. It was great. I unfortunately fell asleep during Lego Batman. <laughs> Why are we friends? <laughs> My apologies. It, I just wasn't <laughs> the first Lego movie. That movie was so great. And then everything else, I was like, it's a fun. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I do love about Batman Forever? It is the inescapable seal song, Kiss from a Rose. But did you ever actually know what the song was about or meant? Does anybody really know? I have not given I don't any know. thought. Yeah, no. <laughs> Well, he says, I compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray. What does that even mean, Seal? On the gray. On the gray. Like, no idea. Who was he married to? Uh, Heidi Klum? Heidi Klum, yeah. See, Lucky nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> but I well, think... They divorced, we so they're not together anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they've separated, parted ways. Now she's mm. like a worm. She was a worm last Halloween for her. Big oh, that's Halloween. right. I didn't see those pictures. Yeah, she well, she goes big for every Halloween, right? That's her yeah, thing. That's her. Yeah. There's mm. one year she turned into Jessica Rabbit. What? Mm-hmm. Have you not I, seen that picture of her yeah. as Jessica Rabbit? I don't. I can look it up later. It's oh my fine. god, it's so cool. But another song, well, two songs that were really big that year that I think we did know more of the lyrics and what they were about. It was TLC's Waterfalls and Creep. They were number one, oh no, number two and number three that year. And I often see these lists of best girl groups. And with that, where do you think that trio would rank? Oh my gosh, they've got to be with girl groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely top 10, I think. Um, like, I don't know. I just remember that. My, my my story of Waterfalls is that it was my first music video I ever watched. Because at my house, MTV was channel 14, Nickelodeon was channel 15. And I was so nervous that my mom would like <laughs> shun me for watching music videos that I'd keep it on Nickelodeon. And then when she would leave the room, I'd just do it one channel down on my little remote um, and get to channel 14 and I'd watch it. And I remember that was the first full music video that I watched was... The waterfalls video and i thought it was so cool because it looked like they were standing on water like mm-hmm. on, like an ocean the whole time and it was so cool um but yeah those songs like really do stand the test of time and they get covered a lot and um yeah and i think that they're they're a staple for the time but they're also ones that you could still listen to years later and not only feel nostal- nostalgic about but you're still like yeah this is good it's good stuff yeah, I agree with that. It doesn't feel too dated. Not like Rico Suave or something like that. We're like, mm, okay, we gotta leave that back in the <laughs> But for So they held the spot, number two, number three, and they were only outdone that year by Gangster's Paradise by Coolio, R.I.P. Um, I like this song. I'm not a big hip-hop fan because I like to sing along to things and I'm not that fast. So I'm like, hmm, hip-hop's cool. I can only listen to it. But I like that one because it had this, like, theatrics to it. Uh, do you have any memories of that song or maybe the movie it came from? Dangerous Minds, Michelle Pfeiffer. I want to think of Michelle Pfeiffer. I think of Batman Returns. Um, 
it all goes for full circle. Yeah, we're back to Batman. No, no, my my knowledge and my 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 like, and I didn't say love, my like of Gangster's Paradise is through Weird Al's Amish Paradise, mm-hmm. and the controversy that came about because of that song. Uh, Were the Amish people mad? No, Coolio was mad. Coolio claims he oh. never gave Weird Al permission to do it, and Weird Al notoriously has said he won't do a song unless he has permission from the artist. Oh. And he claims he got permission from Coolio, and Coolio said he never gave him permission. So maybe Coolio's people gave him permission. I, neither here nor there. But that Weird Al's version of Amish Paradise is absolutely hilarious. It's it's great. <laughs> have it's you seen the, the Weird Al movie with Harry Potter? No, I don't have Roku. Yeah, I know. It's like put it on something else. We have a, a friend of ours, Lauren Carey, who runs the Beard Owl podcast, who I'd highly recommend you get on here because she is a delight. Um, her entire podcast is dedicated to Weird Al, so she has been on me for three or four months now to watch it. I always say my parents are Weird Al and B. Arthur because of my hair and then my, like, attitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. They're my mom and dad. But That's so awesome. over here, we're, we're going to go from Coolio to Drew Carey. Um, I did not watch the Drew Carey show back in the day, but I was like, I would catch it here and there. And I was 100% sure Mimi was just Drew Carey in drag. Was that a show that was like popular in your house? Oh, my God. Drew Carey is without a doubt one of my top three favorite sitcoms of all time. What made it one of your favorites? Because for me, it was just so like it was good in passing, but I, it never captured me. Uh, for me, it's it's the the irreverent comedy style. Like a lot of what Drew Carey does and did in the show is a lot of improv. It's a lot of improv. Like they would do scenes three or four times, do different jokes throughout it, whatever came to the top of their head, and they would kind of bring it in. You could watch the other characters trying not to laugh while they're doing it. But the the cast is great. I mean, you've got. Uh, Drew Carey, Ryan Stiles, Krista Miller, who went on to be in Scrubs and Cougar Town and everything else. Uh, then, oh, I like her. She's really funny. And then Craig freaking Ferguson is wonderful. But it, it's kind of an it is kind of like an everyman show. Like he works a desk job at a at a department store. He works a desk job. He he just wants to go out and drink beer with his knucklehead friends. Um, and they end up op- eventually kind of opening their own beer company. It's it's an everyman show that's based on comedy, whereas Roseanne was an every person show based on more dramedy i like my i like my sitcoms light and airy uh, the problem with drew carey is that there's a, an issue over the rights to the song and so it can't be played anywhere you can't buy it anywhere you can't even see it anywhere right now unless you have pirate bay oh wow drama drama well there you got your comedy and your dramedy there <laughs> And for me, Drew Carey's a show I couldn't see them trying to revive or reboot or anything, but I could see something like Netflix taking on Xena. Do you think that a Xena revival would be something that would be a hit on a streamer today? I don't know. It was very, like, I feel like it had a very specific audience. I just don't know how many of those specific audience members are dying for, like, a reboot or a remake or... A continuation or anything like, like that. Sure. It, was, it was not my thing. It should be my thing. It feel it feels like it should be my thing, but it was never my thing. It was one hundred percent my thing. <laughs> so would you watch it? Oh yes. They came out with a new one. No, but so uh, one of my first like celebrity crushes was uh, I think was, I'm looking her up right now. I think it's Renee O'Connor. Yeah, Renee O'Connor plays Zena's like uh, a woman by her side, the mm-hmm. the one that kind of goes along with her. She was gorgeous. And then Xena also has a, a lot of recurring roles with Bruce Campbell, who I I love. But I would love to see a re- reboot of Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, Lucy Lawless is great. Uh, 
reboot or remake whatever i would be in i think it's a lot of fun well you know never say never because shows like fuller house on netflix they definitely prove that there's an audience for it and it did extremely well considering full house did go off the air in 95 with one of the stupidest series finales ever and i'll die on that hill do you remember that series finale wasn't it when michelle fell off a horse or something and lost her memory yes, yes. yeah <laughs> and then nothing was like really resolved what yeah, yeah, I think she like loses her memory and maybe she starts getting it back on the, like at the very end and then like that's that's the show. That's what I remember, but I have yeah. not watched it since probably the nineties. That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They ruined under a rock. Yeah, it was really it bad. Are there any series finales, either nineties or now, that you have been very upset with that it kind of didn't ruin the show, but it wasn't the best? I mean, the the common one is Seinfeld, but I will die on the hill 100%. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, How I Met Your Mother is the one that comes to mind where it's like, it literally like tarnished a lot of the show watching it. I was so disappointed by it. But... And like, we knew like the entire last season, like Leah and I, we were together. We were talking about, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And it ended up happening. It's like, come on. Yeah, but to me, well, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but to me, it wasn't the fact that a specific character died that part wasn't disappointing oh that to pissed me. me off it was more so um who ended up with who is uh the part that was just so disappointing and such a waste of, of time and people's efforts and and just i don't know I, I get it it's the story that they wanted to tell from the get-go so they had to find a way to reroute it back to that ending after they had to reroute what fans wanted and what fans liked and stuff but I just, uh, it definitely tarnished it for sure. I do remember the heat online when that finale aired. I didn't watch the show, but I did watch, I have this thing with just watching series finales, even if I don't watch the show. It started with Lost. I still don't know, understand that show, but yeah. Well, you don't watch you the Lost don't, finale. Don't start with the finale. People who watched That's the whole series got... didn't know what was going on in the finale of Lost. That's how I got into Frasier, though. I watched the series finale, and then I loved oh. it so much, I was like, I'm going to watch this whole series, and now it's one of my absolute favorite shows and i've seen it as many times as i've seen the office at this point all started with the finale because i think a good finale sets you up for a good show yeah and a bad finale lives on an infamy like yeah. seinfeld will never they'll never live down their final episode there's i actually did a whole series i'd watched like at least 50 or so series finales and seinfeld wasn't one of the worst for me going through every, all the shows that i i did <laughs> I'm trying to think of the ones that have fell flat for me, and I I can't think I know, of I many words like, oh, that was terrible. I feel like Shit's Creek ended perfectly. Uh, Parks and Rec had two finales, and they both ended perfectly. The only ones that kind of come to mind are shows that didn't, they had, a, it wasn't an official series finale, but the network said you're not coming back after the summer. Right. So, our, like, My Name is Earl Cliffhanger. Yep. Things like Married with Children definitely got screwed in the end things like that but yeah and people say things like like freaks and geeks and my so-called life and stuff that yeah. only really had like the one season mm -hmm. that those were all disappointing but you didn't have enough time to really be attached but people are very very attached to freaks and geeks for sure i said that was like the um spencer's gifts version of mickey mouse club because the people <laughs> that came from that not the most attractive but 
damn, they are successful. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, we're going to do popcorn questions. So you're going to pick three numbers each. We'll just go back and forth, but you can both answer the question. So one through 50, whoever wants to go first. Uh, 22. Oh, this is a good one for a couple. Uh, did you ever watch the Pam and Tommy tape back in the day? No. <laughs> I did not. Not back in the day, but it did come up a couple times in college. Uh, I had roommates that were obsessed over it. Um, and after seeing the tape, I can see why. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Is he quite large? Oh, yes. It's like an Evian bottle. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Next number. I'll go uh, 23. Rhino's number. Do you think we have ever figured out what Hanson's Mbop means? Have they never said what it means? Like, I'm sure that they've been asked that before. I just think it probably means like it's just it's just fun fun words fun sounds. Yeah, I I I'd be willing to bet that's what it was. I'm willing to bet they just like this harmony sounds good. Let's turn it into something. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that actually sounds really good. And it's catchy. <laughs> it's, it's I'll give it to them. It's catchy. I it's don't like handsome, but it's catchy. Definitely catchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's I love that song. That's my secret karaoke weapon. No, but even um uh oh uh lead singer of Pearl Jam. I can't think of his name right now. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder's famous for that. He'll just go, ooh, ah, hey, oh, ah. <laughs> he did that too. It's just they were more popular with it. They were the Tiger Beat version of uh, <laughs> the Tiger Beat version of Eddie Vedder, yes. <laughs> All right, next number. Uh, six. When it comes to TV dads, who do you think was the best in the 90s? I'm like, not Jack Geller from Friends. <laughs> I've got mine if you want. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. Not, not. I guess technically he's a TV dad. Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince was amazing. Um, his bond with Will Smith and his bond with his kids is amazing. The uh, there's an episode of Fresh Prince where Will's father comes back into his life for a day, and he's his father's a, a long haul trucker, and he's gonna take Will across the country with him. And Will doesn't really know his dad that well, and he's looking forward to it. And then his dad just up and leaves, and leaves Uncle Phil to talk to him. And that episode is heartbreaking. And uh, James Avery, who was the voice of Shredder in the Ninja Turtles, um, is perfect for it. He's such he's 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 loving. He's firm, but he genuinely cares. And he'll bend over backwards for his kids in his shows. Um, I don't like I don't like what they a, a trend that kind of happened in the '90s and even in the early 2000s, where the the father is kind of a doofy character. He wasn't a doofy character. He was a strong male role model that his kids could look up to like Tim the Toolman Taylor was kind of the not the anti but it was the other way Um, Uncle Phil I love that character I think he's phenomenal yeah he's the top one for sure yeah the only one I could really think of which I mean he he was definitely flawed but um the dad on Roseanne um Dan Connor yeah because there were definitely like because he was you know the working man and anytime his kids thought they were too good I'm like, oh, we have to get out of here. We have to get out of this house, this town. I don't want to become this. Like, he would always, like, put them in their place. Like, we work. We work hard to get, you know, where we are. And you're ungrateful for this. But then at the end of the day, no matter what, like, he would be there to help pick up the pieces when their marriages would fall apart or if they got pregnant or, you know, whatever it was. Like, I I don't think there was ever a minute that you didn't, know that Dan loved his kids and so that's just the one that comes to mind those are definitely two of the probably if you had to do a top 10 they would probably be in the top 5 
I think there's actually be a boozy bracketology bracket. There you go. <laughs> That's and your next number. I-, I gotta see what you ended this with, Kendra. I'm going 50. Okay, so Nickelodeon had a time capsule back in the day. If you were in 1995, what would you have put in the Nickelodeon time capsule? Oh, Pogs. <laughs> no. I-, I I don't know if we're doing like a pop culture like TV show or, or something like that, but game-wise, oh, I think it was definitely Pogs. Pogs is not a bad one. I'm trying to think of the the now that's what I call music CDs if they were out oh. at that point in time. No, I feel not like I got mine in like the late 90s, like 98 or 99. It was like my first CD, so it was when I was in fifth grade, so not this year. <laughs> it might be it might be really cool to throw a uh, like an, uh, an issue of or the pop culture magazines back then. There were a few that aren't. Tiger Beat. <laughs> we're not that. doing Tiger Beat. <laughs> like, like something TV that... Guide. Yeah. TV Guide. We have those. <laughs> oh, t- yeah, I'll put, I'll put an episode of TV Guide there. That's a good one, actually. Good good poll. I love TV Guides. I had all six covers the Backstreet Boys were on. And <laughs> nice. my mom let rats eat them in her freaking shed. And I was like, do you know how much I ha- how many grocery stores we had to go to for me to get all five individuals in the group? I still have the group one because I did take that to college. <laughs> I was like, just come with me. <laughs> okay. Uh, your last number over one. Well, you guys got two more. One more each. So next. Um. 19. What do you think is the mo- more played out graduation song? Closing Time by Semisonic or Green Day's Good Riddance? Oh, Green Day, because that was ours. Yeah, it was ours too. <laughs> I don't, the closing Time, gosh, I didn't even know that that was a graduation song. I, I said, thought that was but... about a bar. Yeah, it is that, about a bar. It is about okay. a bar. <laughs> People adopted it to the high school. Um, we Ours was Beastie Boys Fight for Your Right. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> they tried to give us like vitamin c and we're like jesus christ no oh yeah i do remember when that song came out the vitamin c song that it was like every high school in the world had to adopt it mm-hmm. like, please don't do that to that us. just that, that that song was just so formulaic and so <laughs> no but it's so smart because she's like i'm gonna get royalties forever yeah. because every high school is gonna play my song do you remember her first album cover or the first I remember vividly walking into an, the the uh, an FYE in the mall, and there was her first single that came out, and it, she's called Vitamin C, and her face is painted orange, and her hair is orange. I was gonna say I'm picturing orange hues of orange and yellow when yep. you say her name. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> yeah, it was a very wild. It was very high C or orange soda from McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> the last number. Uh, seventeen. All right, it's Friday night and you're at Blockbuster. What's your go-to rental? If this is where, are we pretending like this is 1995? It's the 90s. So any, any. So mine is going to be weird. And I this is probably around the time, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later. Um, but it was a movie called My Fellow Americans. Oh, yes. And my mom will be like, we're renting this again. And I'm like, yes, it's amazing. And I don't know why we didn't buy it. It was definitely VHSs during that era um but for some reason i would like if i never if i couldn't find something else to watch and i nothing was interesting to me then i would always pick my fellow americans (laughs) such a good movie goes along with your hootie and the blowfish very mature taste true yes because i was i mean i was definitely like early middle school when this was happening the hell are you doing with me 
Also, it was very, very mature, babe. Like, I love you. Your like mom would rent it. Our parents rented it over and over. It's like, why don't you just buy it? Like yeah. my I, my mom did that too for like Milo and Otis and the Flintstone versus the Jetsons. Those were like oh, that was a good one too. too. That's the only like Flintstone Jetsons references I know is that movie. So good, so good. And yours, Chris. I'm weird. So my mom, we never went to Blockbuster as kids. Uh, my mom had four kids and on a fixed income. We went to a grocery store in the area called Farmore. I don't know if anyone remembers that. But they had a little video rental place up front. And they never had any of the new stuff. Just, <laughs> you're not going to get the new stuff there. It was dollar I, rentals. I love Citizen Kane as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, you know what it would have been? It probably would have been something along the lines of like Three Ninjas. One of the Three Ninjas oh. movies. The one not where they go to one. Japan. Yeah, that one's not the good one. No, the third one's not the good one. Third one's fine. You learn about Native American culture. The third one where he fights Hulk Hogan, right? I don't know. Oh, the high noon at the amusement park? Yeah, oh, that's the third one. No, the third no, the third one. I think that's the fourth one. The third one the is when, fourth one? when Colt has a crush on a little um, Native American girl and there's something weird going on with the tribe i'm looking this up right now i feel because i never saw high noon but i saw the three first ninjas knuckle up is yeah. the third one yes and that's the a native american one indigenous people one that is not the amusement park one. the imdb summary for this says rocky colt and tum tum are back for an all-new adventure everyone will fall for there is nothing in here about what the synopsis is <laughs> look, look at the actresses and actors and see if any of them could be indigenous people yes don shanks is on it yep uh, that doesn't sound indigenous. Leah. Oh, because that picture that you're showing me. See the photo? Yeah, I saw. I was like, he's pretty indigenous. Okay. But his last name is Shanks? Yeah. He had to change it for the white man, you know? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's no way that's his biological name given at birth. Oh my gosh, you're right. The fourth one is High Noon and Mega Mountain. I did not know yes, that. Yes, that's the one I did not see. Did it have the original Rocky Colt and Tum Tum? Because the second one did not have the original Rocky. They changed Rocky for the second one, but they brought him back for the third. Let's go see. Because I was totally crushing on Colt. I was all in on Colt. Oh, Colt was, oh, he's my favorite too. A different Tom Tom, a different Rocky, and oh, a different no. Colt. No, yeah, the, third, no. the fourth one has none of the original cast. Oh. <laughs> nope. Not interested. Sorry, Holt. Hi, was at, when I was in college, high noon VHSs were at the 99 cent store in <laughs> bulk. <laughs> It might have gone straight to DVD then if they didn't even have the original people. Or no, no. It Maybe to like, DVD? Maybe to VHS? It looks like all of these movies came out in a six-year period. Wow. 92, 94, 95, 98. Wow. That was earlier than I would have thought. So our last question is, if you were the age you are now, but in 1995, what do you think you would be doing your life would be like? I wouldn't be married to you. <laughs> yeah, because we met online, so we would not have met each other yeah. if it was 1995. They had those cool, like, video dating things, though. Maybe we would have saw each other's VHS. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I, honestly, I don't think I'd be in Florida. I think I'd be somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd be here. I think I'd probably be in, in, in New England or in Chicago or, or somewhere a little bit colder. Yeah. That's hard. That's a hard question. I don't really know. I don't know where I would be or what I would be doing, but... Uh, 1995 was a great time to be a kid. I don't know what that would look like being an adult because technology is just so much a part of everything that I 
do that I don't know how what adults did. They read the newspaper. I guess. Yeah, I would probably. I feel like I would be working for a newspaper because that's what I always wanted to do as a kid. So I feel like I would have gone into print journalism. So you've been laid off in your in your sixties and seventies then because newspapers all died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I get that. Yeah, we actually talked about that in ninety four. We're like, what did our parents do to vent? Because they didn't have the internet, you know. What were they doing? Were they like, what was what was my mom up to? I have no idea what was keeping well, my mom busy. at work. Yeah, I was gonna say they all had the big water cooler thing where people would go at the water cooler at work <laughs> and they would chat about gossip or whatever. So, what a time to be an adult! Thank God we were children. Thank God our parents met in the eighties and had babies. Amen. Yes, exactly. <sighs> Thank God. <laughs> so before we say our goodbyes, can you remind people where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find the Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology Podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, the Lounge, fans of Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology on Facebook or all the social media, we're out there. Just uh, reach on out and uh, hopefully have a good time. Well, I have to thank you two again for coming back and talking all things 1995 with me and everyone. You can find all their information below. And until next time, as always... Keep crushing it.